Hey, what's going on? Hey, Lefty. Hey, Lefty, what you say? What's up? This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis, SD2 Mics, and of course, the original left Lucky Lefty himself, Malik. We back at it, baby. Back at it, week two. Overtime, Malik. You know, we spin it different. We spin it different. That's yes, right. Sir. So this is the slant. And one of them, Lilik's favorite uh, patterns to throw. And uh, it's an art to throw on the slant. The easiest and the hardest throw in the game. Man, and it's an art to what we're about to talk about as well. So I want to get into some of the responses on social media and YouTube. As always, you see right there, we are available on Apple Podcasts, on the A2S Network. So you can search A2S Network or just uh, search Lucky Lefty Podcast. Also, go to the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Subscribe. Hit the like button. We thank everybody. Man, we improved exponentially with our views in our second week. Thank you for your support. Continue to support. Continue to share. And let everybody know that they can follow us on social media as well at Lucky Lefty Pod. So. Notre Dame with the 32 to 29 victory over Toledo. Everybody was upset. The two major questions that came after that were number one, should Tyler Buckner be the starter for the rest of the season? We have a video where Malik talks about that and gives his opinion on that particular subject up on our YouTube channel. So go check it out. Also, the offensive line and how bad is it right now? How bad is the situation? At Notre Dame and the offensive line, offensive line coach Jeff Quinn, what does he need to do to improve that situation? That video and Malik's take on that is also up on the YouTube channel. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some of the responses to those videos. We have a response from someone that said he believes that Tyler Buckner should still be the backup to Jack Cohn, and he feels like it gives Notre Dame an edge an edge moving forward against teams because teams would have to defend and prepare for two quarterbacks. Yeah, I think uh, it'd just be interesting, man, to see what happens this week. I think, if anything, you need a, a real strong plan and a consistent plan if you want to be able to, to, to shake out the season without a lot of confusion and major uh, debate headlines on what should go on on the team. So uh, this is a, it's a week to – to see if Coach Kelly can get this thing right. You know, one of the things that stuck out, he said that he's going to control the quarterback situation, who goes in and who comes out. Uh, but he believes that Tommy's on the same page with him. I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, the, the camera, the eye in the sky never lies. I think Tommy Rees is in a difficult situation because I feel like you've pointed this out. I think Tommy, from a game plan standpoint, is very comfortable with scripting out a, a game plan for Jack Cone because Jack Cone is pretty much the same type quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's that's easy. You know, coaching yourself, making a game plan for yourself. If he had to make a full game plan for Tyler Buckner at this standpoint, it probably would be more of a challenge. And I'm sure he's able to able to do it, but it definitely would be more of a challenge. And it would be more of a challenge with the offensive offensive line unsettled at this point as well. You spoke well about it. I don't think the offensive line 
will continue to be this way. I think they'll get better. You talked about the lack of game experience on that offensive line, except for Jared Patterson. So for the next two or three weeks, I, I do see the mixed match thing going on, but I think by the time you get to that Cincinnati game. It needs to be figured out. Yeah, the offensive line needs to be figured out. And honestly, 80% of the snaps needs to go to somebody. You yeah. know, if you want to bring Tyler Buckner in in the red zone or something like that, do that. rock out. But, you know, the point you made about that is definitely something I think you need to rock with. We have another response concerning the offensive line from one of my videos. And it says that the offensive line is in trouble. And I don't see it getting better. Uh, you, when you got guys, when you got guys with low starts, the only place you can go is up. Hopefully, you know. I think Coach Kelly did a great idea or a great job of recruiting the, the the players with high ceilings, especially on the offensive line. I mean, I've got a freshman starting. Yeah, got hurt, but he's coming back. But his potential ceiling is very high, and the rest of the O line is is pretty ceiling is pretty high, especially with the center Jerry Patterson being the leader that he is at that center position can get those young guys in shape. So the only place that the offensive line can go is up provided behind uh, coach Quinn gets those boys in the right mindset and, and just, they fill out the game more as they get older. But from a trouble standpoint, like we talked about earlier, it's just an average college offensive line right now, but mm -hmm. uh, with the right coaching and direction and game experience, uh, we can get back to those, those three year guys that are, potential Hall of Famers that we have now in the NFL. It's so key that you say that because I think when you think offensive line, we kind of poo-poo just because guys are four stars, five stars. They've been in your system. They've been in your program for a year or two. You just think it's plug and go. And you have those guys, right? And this goes to a bigger point, man. We could really get into this because I had this debate concerning uh, – athletes not getting the credit they deserve and what i mean by that is that sometimes i get sick and tired and this is just social media but sometimes the media plays into this as well i really get sick and tired of people talking about system quarterbacks mm -hmm. system quarterbacks and you know somebody brought up the point that well you know uh, this coach needs to make sure that he you know, play calls and sets up a game plan that fits this quarterback. And I'm like, dude, look, <laughs> if a dude is a dude, he's going to be a dude. I don't care what play you call. Like, yeah. he's a dude. Like, can you give him a game plan that's a preference for him? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes is a dude. He's a dude. He's a dude. Deshaun right. Watson is a dude. Tom Brady is a dude. Aaron Rodgers is a dude. It's like I'm not about to give any coach that they've been under the credit for them being a dude. Michael Jordan was a dude. He was a dude before Phil Jackson showed up with the triangle offense. Yeah. You can't credit the triangle offense for Michael Jordan being who he was. No, Michael Jordan no, was a dude. <laughs> He's a dude. Like, so when you have a dude, you need to give that dude an opportunity to spread his wings. Can you coach him and show him how he can be more efficient and take advantage of what the defense is giving him? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That athlete is a dude. You know, and I think 
we've only seen like residue of the kid, but mm -hmm. I think Tyler Buckner has an opportunity to be a dude. Yeah. I think I, he has I, an opportunity yeah. to be a dude. I agree with that. I think Tyler Buckner can be a dude. I also think though that like it's it's hard when a guy is not particularly on the same wavelength like Jack and Tommy probably are. That's a that's a bigger challenge for a coach to adjust to coaching with the guys that are dudes than the player to adjust to what's being called. So for Tommy, you know, it's probably a little easier to call basic stuff with Tyler, knowing he can knock it and crush it out the park. Yeah. But from a game plan standpoint, it could get a little tougher when you're not in sync with Tyler on game planning wise. What can we do to really take it to the next level? That's why I said for Coach Kelly, it's important that he's got to get a guy and stick with it because in that we can practice game planning for a guy and having a package for a guy are two different things, especially when you're talking about the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. From a mental and a preparation standpoint, mentally, like Cam Newton said in his interview, he went from taking starter reps but only getting like two or three reps at practice and the backup was getting more reps. Right. But that sounds to me like you were game planning with Matt and having a package for Cam. And so in a situation for Tyler being a dude for the team and potentially you got a game plan for that for with that kid. You can't continually give him packages because he won't develop and get better throughout the season. He'll be good for those one or two rinky dink plays. And if it doesn't go well, I mean, you, you're looking at the kid and judging the kid a lot differently. You're saying, oh, he can't throw well because he's running all the time or he can't – all he can do is, you know, read option because that's the only thing they give him. It's similar to kind of how they did Brandon Wimbush where it felt like one was getting game plan with mm. and one was having packages for. So we even see the success between those two quarterbacks, Ian and Brandon, and just how the team was behind him. So – for, for Tyler Buckner, I just hope that he gets beyond a package built for him so he can develop as a quarterback to being a dude for this offense to be consistent enough. But with a fifth-year guy like Jack, I mean, what are you going to do? There's no loyalty on a fifth-year guy. <laughs> no, it's really not. And, you know, what you just said was, man, really poignant because I don't think we – man, I didn't even really think about that. What we saw from Tyler Buckner pretty much was a package. Right. Last week. And Coach Kelly mentioned that. He said he's going to expand his package week by week, but you know, that's that's not doing the true justice for a dude like that. That's more of a, a skill set in a position for like a Drew Pine, you know, to come in there, help and relieve Jack Cohen, like maybe in a two-minute drill or something. Yeah. Just due to the fact that that's a similar, I'm sure that's a similar play call style with a Drew and a Jack, as opposed to really, I mean, the offenses look night and day differently with a Tyler Buckman in there running the two split back offense and read option and RPOs and the stuff that he was bringing to the table with that, yeah. which provided a spark for this young offense. So we'll see what happens. One of the things that Coach Kelly did mention is that the defense is more about fundamentals, but even more than that, he was going to have to sit down talk with Marcus Freeman and kind of eliminate, I guess, the desert in between, you know, what they want to be and what they have been. And let's, you know, speed up this process of this transition. If we're going to be this type of defense, let's do it. Let's yeah, do it and learn. 
and the type of defense he wants, it takes a while to get knowing just the history of what we look like on defense. We're just not a man team. Uh, we haven't, and when we were, we had a lot of similar scores, like when we had Van Gorder playing man on the back end, bringing some pressure. Yeah, it gave up a lot of points that season, and it, and it didn't end up being good for the total team. But then again, we had a season where we went ten and two with that same defense. So, um, with us being undefeated right now, I think it's just some hashing out it takes. Overall, though, I think Marcus Freeman has the right mindset. It makes the defense uh, more aggressive, and I think the fan base likes seeing that as well. I think when you game plan, that's one thing, right? But when you can just be relentless and just come at the teams, I think one of the misconceptions is I think Alabama can be really creative defensively because they have the talent and they have the system. They have a great defensive teacher especially in the defensive backfield. That was Nick Saban's – oh, that is Nick Saban's specialty. But I think people forget how much pressure they can just bring with just four yeah. or just three. And they can pick and choose when they want to fire the middle linebacker or bring someone off the edge or, you know, bring a cornerback, you know, in a specific down and distance. It's like when they get to a specific down and distance at this part of the field, this is what we'll go to. As long as we're not in that situation, we can just bring our four and just get pressured and just depend on our linebackers and our front seven to stop. And that's the what they best at. They can rely on their front four at Alabama and hit home and play whatever you want in the back end. So I don't care whatever the tra- whatever we're transition, whatever Notre Dame is transitioning to. I just want them to transition to that front four being dominant. Yeah. And you know, I think it'll come through recruiting. Marcus Freeman had us in the top five recruiting over Alabama with this class coming in and hopefully for continuing in the future. But that front four rush, that's that's what made Clemson take off when, when they did, when they had four All-Americans at D-line. Yeah, Alabama consistently does it every year, so it's no surprise they're in the playoffs every year. And that's the difference for what can take our team to the next level being a four – a four-down pressure-giving team. So, before we close this out on a slant this week, your impressions of the team as they head into Purdue? Just remain high confidence. I think we can we show ourselves we can put up a lot of points, which is different for our offense in the last couple of years on a, on a high point value. 30-plus points in the first two games, that's something to be proud of, even though there's some things we want to clean up. And secondly, the defense, I'm just hoping the defense continues to get better each week. Uh, we have potential every week for turnovers. So when that yeah. happens, we're usually in a good spot and, and position ourselves to win. So uh, as long as we keep flying around the football and, and put up 30-plus points a game, our transition season will be a lot easier than, than what it may seem sometimes. Hey, that's the slant for this week. Notre Dame. Preparing to go up against Purdue. Purdue comes into Notre Dame Stadium. That is a 1.30 p.m. start, 2.30 p.m. on the East Coast. And as we always say, and I don't expect it to be any different, the game plan Jeff Brom is going to bring into this game, I truly expect this to be a fourth-quarter game. That's just the way Purdue and Notre Dame always plays out. It always plays out that way. I mean, Toledo played out a lot 
closer than I have wanted. So hopefully the team can bounce back. But you're right. Purdue's not going to ha- let us have it. Yeah. So we'll talk about the offensive line, what they need to do, the improvements, the key matchups, and then what to expect from Brian Kelly and Jeff Brom as far as adjustments. Uh, Purdue has been doing a great job offensively putting up points. But I think it's safe to say this will be the best defense they have faced all season. So we'll get into that, and we'll see you back here. Lucky Lefty Podcast for my man Malik Zaire. I'm Sean Davis. Go follow us. Apple Podcast YouTube channel. We spin it different. We spin it different, baby. You're listening to the Lucky Lefty Podcast with Malik Zaire. Never will there ever be another like me. Um, you can play the left because it ain't no right and me. And Sean Davis.